Thanks for bringing this word. This, um, there's one quote you had in there that the greatest weapon of the enemy is lies. This is so true. If you take the promises of God out of our life, what is there left? What do we live by? What do we live for? And if the enemy can come in and feed us lies after lies that God doesn't love us, we lose all hope. I want to talk about hope this morning. If you can remember, uh, sorry about my throat. If you can remember a few Sundays ago here, I had a message that I entitled, What is Faith? I want to, <clears throat> through all that, thinking about this message and meditating on, on things revolving around this message, there's this one verse that came into my mind. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it said, So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. <laughs> and there is an abiding. There, these three abide. They have to be alive. They have to be well. They have to be at a healthy level in our lives, in our Christian walk. Faith, hope, and love. <clears throat> um, yes, the greatest test, the greatest of these is love. But today I want to briefly talk about faith, just to remind what we talked in our last message, and I want to talk about hope. <clears throat> so before we go on, I'd like to pray. Thank you, brother, for lifting me up in prayer here, but I feel a need to pray again. Father God, we are privileged this morning already to be reminded of your love, of who you are, of who we are, Lord. And that as, as you suffered, as you walked, you thought about us. You, we were on your mind, Lord. Before we were even born, we were on your mind. We pray, Lord, that we can cling on to these precious, precious promises. And to look and to see how you have redeemed us. How you have begotten us unto a lively hope. And we pray, Lord God, that the enemy will not come in, that the enemy will not destroy that hope. As we look at eternity, as we look at all your wonderful promises, that precious hope is for your children to cherish and to hold and to live by. Lord, we pray that you remind us today, this day of your love, of your great love, that you want to Cherish your people. That you want to be with your people. That you want to express yourself through your people, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you move our hearts this morning. 
that you touch our hearts this morning. And we're humbled by the fact that you're even mindful of men. When we look at your creation, when we look at who you are, Lord, we're humbled by the fact that you're even mindful of men. And we thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, the enemy will not interfere this morning, but that your presence may fill this room. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, faith, faith, hope, and love abide. And I want to, hopefully today, there's a few things I can point out, and one of them is that these three, they're inseparable. In fact, I believe if one of them is missing, then Christ might be missing from our life. If you really start meditating, these three abide. Paul said, these three abide. Faith, hope, and love. <clears throat> Faith is how we build on the promises of Christ. We believe and we build upon them. Hope is what we possess because of the working of faith. Hope is what we possess. We, we have it. It abides because of the working of faith. And love is the result of being active, of faith and hope being active and present in our life. Love is the result. So these three abide. So <clears throat> you remember some of the main points of the faith message here. I want to lay out my definition of faith. It's a four-point layout. Number one, it starts with having a need or being deprived of God. There's a need there. And we're, we're deprived. So we, we, we search, we look for something, or we are encounter. Number two, we, we encounter, we see, and we get a foretaste of the truth. And we investigate, we look at it. And number three, then there is the believing of the presented evidence. Is, does it come by preaching the word? Is it come, does it come by um, reading the word? But we believe. But faith is not yet completed. Why? The reaction is missing. So in order to complete faith, there's a reaction to the revelation or commandment that has been presented to us through various ways from God. We respond because we trust and believe. This is faith. It's not a positive thinking. It's not joining a Red Hat Society and being happy. It's not convincing ourselves of something. It's believing. It's, it's need, believing, reacting. Men of faith, that's their pattern. <clears throat> In James 2, 17, he said, Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead being alone. It's dead. And once this pattern has started in our lives, let's say from when we, give our, when we first believe in Christ, once this pattern has started, we react. We have a need. We react to Christ. 
is calling. This pattern keeps repeating itself throughout our life. In Romans 1, verse 16, it said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And it's through this pattern as it going. <clears throat> so, faith is attributed to the, to the faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, according to the verse in Corinthians 13, 13, we read that love, again, we read that love is the most important of the three. Even though faith is very important, like I said, it's impossible to please God without it. Without faith, there would be no beginning in our journey. All throughout our journey are the steps of obedience that will only be fulfilled by faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 is a beautiful chapter to read uh, to get a bigger picture on faith. Of course, it's called the faith chapter. But, okay, today I want to talk about hope. What is hope? I believe Brother Samuel touched a good portion of hope in the opening. And it's only abiding therein and not believing the, at the, end, the, the lies of the enemy that they're not real. <clears throat> so hope is important. Being it abides with faith and love, we have reasons to believe there's more behind this word than just a poor glimmer of hope to maybe survive in the end. Hope is being, is defined as this. <clears throat> I use it as a transitive verb when I'm talking about hope, mostly this morning. Uh, the dictionary defines it as this. <clears throat> to, des to desire with expectation of obtainment. So we desire something and we expect we will get it. We hope we will get a good meal around 12, around noon this morning. We expect it. It's not, oh, maybe, I wish, maybe. We hope. It's to expect with confidence, with trust. Confident expectation. When the scripture talks about hope, it's not wishy-washy. Like a maybe or maybe of unsure optimism. The modern idea of hope is to wish, maybe to wish for, to expect, kind of, but without certainty of fulfillment. To desire, maybe, but not with real assurance of getting our desire. But in scripture, according to the Hebrew and Greek words translated and according to biblical usage, the word hope is an indication of certainty. Hope in the scripture means a strong and confident expectation. Though archaic today in modern terms, hope is akin to trust and a confident expectation. <coughs> we are familiar with verses in 1 Peter 1 3, if you can go there. There's, uh, it talks about hope a lot in this chapter. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to his abundant mercy, had begotten us, begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This verse is fully packed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he had begotten us again to a lively hope. He has borne in us a lively hope, a hope that is alive, a hope that is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? Here it goes. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fade in other way, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now let's stop here for a little bit. How many of us have meditated on these truths the last couple of days or weeks, realized them, and appreciated in them and said thank you to Christ for such a hope. Do we even think about it? How, how, how do we nurture that hope in us that Christ has given us? <clears throat> he surely has begotten us unto a lively hope. The resurrection of the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ is powerful. It's the first fruits of them that slept. First, death has no more dominion over God's people. It's not just an empty promise, but a full one, which we have our hope on. But he goes on to say in verse 6, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Here's another, it's a great meter of our walk. Wherein... Ye greatly rejoice in that lively hope, in, in these precious promises. Ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through many full temptations or trials. But we rejoice in that. This is like a commandment. We rejoice in the hope, the possession that he has given us. Let's read on, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This verse really reminds me of what Brother Samuel's burden was in the opening. How when there are trials in our life, when, when the refining fire comes into our lives and the enemy comes and accuses us, you're wrong. You're, you're condemned. God does not love you. Here's the importance of believing, reading and believing the word of God. The trial of your faith is being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth. It be tried by fire. It might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ for the perfecting of the saint. Today's mentality is 
If you suffer, you give up, it's not worth it. People want to shrink back at anything that is hard or difficult, even walking with brothers, even all these things. We shrink back because it's too hard. When people talk about difficulty of, of brotherly commitment in church, I say it's hard work. It's probably the hardest work that we encounter, but it's all worth it in the end. But how do we react when trials come in our way, when hard times come? Is it the refining fire that God wants to perfect us for the appearing of Jesus Christ? <clears throat> Talking about Jesus Christ in verse 8, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now you see him not, Yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Let's stop here for a little bit again. How do we um, measure to that? Is that our testimony? Whom we having not seen, ye love. In whom do now ye see him not yet believing. I have to say, in my life, I have to confess, I am taking this promise, this gift, for granted. It does not mean that sometimes we, we come into a prayer and we're overwhelmed with thankfulness and we thank the Lord. But how do we walk day by day? And seeing these promises and walking therein that the joy, it says, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You rejoice with joy unspeakable. That has to be our testimony. If not, we have to go back a little bit and see, figure out what is going on. After all, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But, <clears throat> taking all these verses, <clears throat> do we notice what Peter said here? See, hope is wonderful. We can talk about hope, we can encourage about having hope, but there's something that, it com that comes, that is part of the package, and that is enduring of trials. Um, and it's a question we need to ask ourselves. How are we doing with trials? It's something in my life that anytime there's a trial, I have to remind myself that it is the refining fire of God. We can react in different ways. We can say, well, Someone is hurting me, or I'm being maybe mistreated, or we can have loads of self-pity and a poor me attitude. When these things enter into your life, stop immediately and see the working of God, the refining fire, and accept it by faith. And God starts working. 
Hope does not come automatically. Hope comes from walking through these trials and trusting in God and knowing he's there and knowing he's real. Then, whom we have not seen, we love. In whom, though we see him not, yet believing, he rejoice with joy unspeakable. Hope. We heard the saying before, especially in our culture, I will enter Backnot und Barmherzigkeit. As <clears throat> the way I always interpreted, my interpretation may be wrong, but the way I've always interpreted as it, 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 it's as implying I will continue to do my best, but I'm not sure how it's going to end up. This is usually how hope is being interpreted, the way I, the way I heard it. To me, that's a very weak hope. That is not possessing the hope or honoring the hope or abiding in hope and believing the promises that Christ has given us. And I believe with God's children there is a lively hope. It's based on the finished work of Calvary that transcends to a position where hope is a position where we cling on to because it's alive and real. God is real and the life that he imparts on his people is also real. Thereby hope is something we possess and we can live by. It's not something that maybe, maybe, maybe. Faith, hope, and love abide. These three. <clears throat> I believe there's a strength in these three like a three-stranded cord. And we can already see they're inseparable. A strong Christian will be characterized by these three. Hope is the life of Christ in us. Because it's believing the promises of God. It's the life of Christ in us. It's a testimony that people around us see. Our lives pointing to Jesus. It is hope. It's what prompts people to ask, what is, what is this about you? It prompts people to ask what the hope within us is all about. I found it interesting, the, the chronological order of these. I don't know if Paul just wrote them down as they came to his mind. I don't know. But maybe he did it on purpose. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. And I, it looks, it seems to me there, there's, a, there's intended order here. Because first, in our life, there is the coming to Christ. And we, we've already covered that. It's by faith. In abandoning the world and whatever it stands for. We do that by faith. We believe and we react. And God calls us into the fold. He accepts us. But how do we get hope again? 
Is it automatically here? How is, how, as, if we look at our lives right now, how, how is our hope? How is our level of hope? We need to ask ourselves, is hope radiating from our life? Another question is, are we always ready to give an answer for it? So we, we can talk about salvation, but how do we get the hope, the witness? Are we ready to talk about it? Are we ready to, to spend our time discussing it? I believe there should be, there should be a hope radiating from God's people. Especially if we walk after the spirit and not after the flesh, Romans 8, 1. There should be a hope that is radiating. First Peter 3, 15, he said, Peter said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. I believe there's a step here. So no, it doesn't come automatically. Once we maybe confess we are a Christian, once we say we are a Christian, it doesn't come automatically, hope. It says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Separate. Throw out the chaff. Be single-hearted, single-eyed. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So this verse assumes that God's children have and display hope. It's not only because we say we believe, but as God's children, we display hope. This verse assumes it. This verse believes that we do. When Peter wrote that, he wrote to the believers. He told them, be ready. You're walking around. There's, there's, you're, you have hope. You, you see a, a way out of your suffering, of your persecution. But when people look at you, they see a hope. Brethren, be always ready to give an answer. So, so how does it come? In our lives, how does it come? Like I said at the beginning of the verse, the sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts. That working <clears throat> has to happen continually. And I believe it can only come about with a life that is disciplined and separated for Christ. That is serious for Christ that sees the reason I'm here today, the reason I'm waking up this morning is because of Christ. The reason we gathered here this morning is to know more about Christ. A life that is intentionally separated for Christ. And I believe that is the only way hope will come in our lives. It's the reality of Christ in our lives. 
Our lives are, have to be continuously prepared to be a picture of Christ, to be conformed into the image of Christ. And unless we seriously see Christ to be part of our lives, there will be no hope to demonstrate. It's impossible. Christ brings the hope. Remember the opening, the promises. These come from Christ alone, from God alone. But if we don't exercise godliness, if we are not seeking Christ and He's not part of our life, there is no hope. Hope is what we possess because we choose to walk by faith and pursue Christ and His kingdom. It leaves us with joy and promises that we possess that, we are, that is evident for God's people, that is evident in God's people. It's evident people will see it. That is why Peter said to every man that asked, you think, you talk about, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. To me, that is already a tremendous demonstration of hope. Picture a person without Christ, without the Holy Spirit. There's the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh produce misery. misery. Maybe joy for happiness for a few minutes or so, but in the end, it's misery. Godliness, the Holy Spirit working in our lives, brings forth the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has fruit, which all men, if it's a healthy human being, will desire. Or maybe all human beings will desire this fruit. They're desirable. Joy, love, peace. Which human being doesn't want these three fruit? There is none. That in itself displays a hope that the world cannot give. Let's look at Romans 5. Verses 1 to 5, and how it agrees with 1 Peter 1. It says in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope make it not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Why does he say hope make it not a shame? That in itself tells us that hope is a powerful word that we can only get through the promises of Christ and having a relationship with Christ. Because we are sure who we are because of the hope that he has given us to our obedience to him. Christians might be, Paul said, we're the scum of the earth. They might be looked down upon as, they might even to worldly standards do strange things. I'm talking about following Christ seriously. But it doesn't matter what the world says, it doesn't matter what the natural mind says, what the carnal mind says. 
Because hope makes hope make not ashamed. We, we know why we do it. Because we believe. We have hope. We possess hope. We believe the promises of God. And that is our hope. And again, it will only come to a life that is vibrant, has a vibrant relationship with Christ. It is not, again, positive thinking. It is not convincing ourselves we have these things. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, when we look at our faith, <clears throat> Hebrews 11 one tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of things that, things that we hope for. The evidence of things is not seen. And to me, meditating on this, the, the concept of faith, hope, and love, it's a tragedy to me as a believer, to identify as a believer, as a follower of Christ, and have no hope radiating out of our life. Just think about it for one minute. Is it, actually, is it, is it even possible? Remember what we usually say. I usually say it anyway. That it's impossible to serve the, our Creator God and invite Him into our lives and stay the same. Like staying in the old Adam, staying in the flesh. To me, that's impossible. If the Creator God enters our life, there will something will happen, things will change. So is it with. The same concept here applies. In fact, it's the same thing. When Christ is into our life, how is it possible to have no hope? Yet, we, we, we gladly say, yes, we're believers, we're Christians. So, what's the difference? Does hope, does the life of God, the hope that the world so much wants, radiant out of our lives? If there's one thing we need to leave here from this word, it's an assignment. And that is to examine our lives. If we radiate hope, even to the unbeliever, we talk about reaching out. We talk about touching people's lives. We even talk about, of course, about touching our children's life. But do these people we try to minister to see hope? It's an assignment that we need to, to look at ourselves and see if hope radiates from our lives. Maybe we'll have to approach someone else and say, brother or sister, do you see hope? Do you see joy? What does my life look like? Does it reflect someone that Christ is conforming and working on? Is there peace knowing that Christ will take care of me? Knowing that in the end, when I leave this, this mortal body, that Christ will be there? Is this hope and peace reigning in my life? Listen to the words of Jesus. We've often heard them. 
Matthew 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light the candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and they give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The salt and the light is the hope that comes from serving Christ alone. Look, look at these verses for just a, few, just a few seconds here. Is light words? Is light something that we try to produce or say or claim? What exactly is the salt and the light? Isn't it, again, a direct result of who we are? And then we give up the light. We give light. We're, we're salty people. Again, see, salt, they, they want more. They ask for the hope that is within us. There is the life of God in us will make people wonder and ask. Peter didn't just put this verse in because he felt he needs to put down more ink. The life of God, bringing the hope of God in us, will prompt people to ask, those that are searching, what is it? What is that hope? What is that light? What is it with you? That is the salt. Conclusion. <clears throat> Hope is the witness that we as Christians influence the world with. It's the gospel we preach without saying a word. God's people endure to the end is because they have this glorious hope that they received in believing the promise of God. Is why people endure, because they believe and they have the hope. If they won't have the hope that Christ is there to receive them, they won't endure. So, having hope as a believer here on earth is a tremendous tool for us to function and to propagate the kingdom of God. And again, when we come to a people, when we propagate the kingdom of God, when we, when we want to advance the kingdom of God, and we approach a people and say, hey, um, you need to believe this and do that and this and that. So, where are you doing that? Where, where are you with all that? It has to reflect out of our life. It, we, we have to be able to give something. If we feel weak and power, powerless, it could very well be that we have, and maybe all we have is, is maybe head knowledge without working out our salvation with fear and trembling. What if that would be the case? Had knowledge and positive thinking. Because Paul also warned Timothy in his second letter in chapter 3, verse 5, about such. He talked about there were some that having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He said, from such turn away. 
It's again something that we, that, we, that we need to personally look at our life. If we feel powerless, if we feel weak in the word, is, is to actually ask ourselves, are we cultivating the life of Christ? Are we walking an obedient life? Are we truly convinced in what we say we believe in that we actually live in to be able to convince other people? Or do we have head knowledge? It's a form of godliness. And it's again a terrible state to be in. Paul commends the church, commends Timothy to stay away from such people where there's a form of godliness. Here's a few um, helpers that for, for hope in our lives. And number one, it gives us joy and peace. In Romans 5.13, he says, Now the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all peace, joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> yeah. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Number two, it gives us protection. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Upon them that hope in his mercy. Psalm 33, 18. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, that have this hope, that have this confidence in his mercy. The eye of the Lord is upon them. He sees their trust. The trust is there. It's built. The connection is there. The eye of the Lord is upon them. Hope gives us strength and courage. Number three. Psalm 31, 24. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. If hope is is healthy if we have that hope that people see it gives us courage it says and he shall strengthen your heart all ye that hope in the Lord number four hope gives us endurance comfort confidence in the face of death first Thessalonians 4 13 but I will not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So those that have hope, they don't need to worry about that. It gives us comfort and confidence in the face of that. God delights in the death of his saints. If, if that hope again is present in our lives, it gives us this peace of walking through the valley of death. It gives us confidence in ministry. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. 1 Timothy 4.10 So not only does hope sustain us, it helps us to minister and to prop propagate properly the kingdom of God here. It equips us. And again, that can only come from a life of obedience and knowing who Christ is in our life. So, may hope the life of Christ radiate from our lives. May it be real.
if it's not real, let's find out. If we feel weak in talking even about the things of God, if we're ashamed, which is a direct dis, uh, disobedience, let's find out. If hope is not radiating from our lives where people are prone to ask, let's find out. It's as simple as disobeying the word of God in unknowing Christ. So, there abideth faith, hope, and love, these three. May they all be present in our life as we continue to seek God on a daily basis. Amen. The Lord bless you.